Warning, this episode of Seriously Wrong will make you want to dance. So if you're somewhere where you don't think that would be socially acceptable, well, you should still listen. Just put just put on those dancing shoes. Shoes are on? Okay, good. This is the Seriously Wrong podcast. My name is Aaron. My co-host's name is Sean. And this is a brand new theme song we got just for you. Seriously Wrong. Uh, so let's start by talking about what hierarchy is, because um, in my read, in my survey of this this concept, hierarchy, a lot of things tend to get grouped up under this term. And I feel like when there's a leftist critique of hierarchy being made, it's more targeted on certain sort of substrains of the definition of hierarchy. Yeah, I think if you take the broadest possible definition of hierarchy, one way I've been thinking about it is anything that you can visualize out on a diagram that looks like a pyramid with sort of discrete nodes, and maybe there's one at the top or a couple at the top. And so that could describe dog breeds, evolutionary trees of like how species came to be. So I think we can kind of like do away with that. I don't think anyone has a problem with noticing that certain things take that shape because a lot of things take that shape like just organizing information organizing neutral information uh it's often useful to form a hierarchy like sometimes when i'm preparing for episodes i think of like okay major topics i want to hit and then sort of subtopics under that and sub points under those topics that's a hierarchy it's an informational Mm -hmm. hierarchy and it's completely benign it it has nothing to do with a leftist critique of hierarchy so those yeah like within the broad category of mammal having you know a shrew a chimpanzee a a dog bunny rabbit bunny rabbit those are all (laughs) within a taxonomy those are all subsection of mammals but mammals isn't the boss of chimpanzees it's like that's conceptual information kind of pseudo hierarchy it's more like we're using the metaphor of hierarchy to describe this nested kind of taxonomy It's not that the concept of mammals in general is the landlord of all the other mammals or a police officer that that Mm -hmm. can choose whether or not all the animals are shot or or not. Yeah, the king of the animals that can (laughs) be their judge, jury, and executioner and send them off to death. Kind of tangentially related here, another metaphor you run into a lot is like, say, the king of the jungle is a lion in in our popular kind of... Like a hierarchy of, of carnivorous animals and like the food chain i guess is one yeah but like a human king being in charge of a bunch of other humans in the context of a kingdom is just so so different than a group of animals that are carnivorous 
killing and eating animals that are not carnivorous, like in the wild. But one thing they do have in common is that you could diagram both of them on a sheet of paper using one of the things at the top and then drawing nodes out down below it into a branching sort of tree-like diagram. Yeah, so this this is, it's actually really insidious, this, this definition wobble on hierarchy where it refers to all these different things and it allows people to make just really ridiculous claims if you start investigating them just analytically really really ridiculous comparisons to like carnivorous animals have being some sort of comparison to bosses and workers and and, or, and saying that so since carnivorous animals exist and like what should we try and change which animals eat each other or make sure they all eat each other equally no obviously we're not going to do that so therefore that justifies this they're both natural instantiations of hierarchy and so because one is everyone is going to agree basically just kind of how things are. The other one is also just basically how things are. We're always going to have these societies always going to be organized in these, these power hierarchies that give some small number of individuals, a great amount of power over the individuals underneath them on the tree node diagram. Checkmate leftists. <laughs> you know, there's since bigger fish that are carnivorous eat smaller fish it's very similar to like when a landlord raises your rent. It's like he's the big fish and you're the small <laughs> fish and him eating you in this metaphor is him raising your rent. So, it's the same thing. It's as natural as and can they're be. Both, and they're both fine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I want to keep zeroing in on what the problem is because like, okay, so it doesn't apply to animals eating each other. It doesn't apply to like pure information systems. But I also think that it doesn't apply to literally every group of humans that is in some way organized hierarchically. I mean, there's more obvious ones like results of a test, like who did the best on the math test. There's there's a, you could plot it out as a hierarchy. Or, or who ran the hundred meter dash the fastest. Yeah. The, you the, could make the, a chart that ranks them and then say, Okay, whoever everyone under 10 seconds is on the top tier, everyone between 10 and 20 seconds is on the second tier of the hierarchy, and you'll get this pyramid shape. But crucially, you're not saying that people in the top tier then take economic, social, and political control of the lower tiers. Like that would be what the leftist critique of hierarchy is zeroing zeroing in on. It's not saying, oh, we should pretend that everyone ran the same speed. It's okay. Some people ran faster and some people ran slower, but the people who ran faster shouldn't have social, political, and (laughs) economic control of the people underneath them. Yeah. Um, So that one's also like fairly easy to suss out the difference. I think where it starts to get more difficult for me anyway, is when you're looking at any human organization that's trying to accomplish a task and many if not all of these organizations have at least some hierarchical elements to how they're organized and i think i don't want to say it's inevitable but it's it's certainly ubiquitous and you can see the reason for some of it like if you had an organization that was dedicated to saving uh, the whales and Anyone could join the organization and anyone who joined the organization had just as much power in the organization as anyone else who was in the organization, no matter what, no matter their knowledge about whales, no matter their experience in social organizing, no matter their anything. If there was zero hierarchy in this organization, it's not going to go well. There's this problem of like drive-by people coming through and completely changing policy and then leaving and like... (laughs) 
things like competence and seniority and uh, investment in the organization and stakeholders in the organization, people who've spent a lot of time and energy pushing forward this agenda are going to have more of a say in how that agenda comes to fruition than someone who is on their first day volunteering for the organization. And that's a hierarchy of sort, a seniority hierarchy. Um, mm. And so that exists in all, every, I don't know, can you think of a human organization that doesn't have those kinds of elements? I keep wanting to just say it's everywhere, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at like a group of friends ordering pizza together, Right. Um, yeah. Or like a small group of people who are trying to achieve something together, like have a camping trip or something. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of consensus building there, but also they're just sort of natural. You could call it hierarchy. There's just sort of natural differences in specialization that arise. So if like, for example, camping will often be led, in my experience, by a minority group of the group that is camping really takes initiative to be bottom liners and figure out what site are we going to make sure that we have some degree of supplies or yeah. coordinate other making sure that everyone has enough supplies yeah like yeah. so you could call that like they're the leaders of the camping trip but i think of it more in terms of differences in specialization it's not that there's someone who can kick you out of the camping trip yeah, yeah. It's like they are decision makers in a sense, but I think the decision making authority comes from, well, they're the ones who set up the trip. They know where the campsite is. They have more information. And so they're better equipped to make certain decisions. Like you say, oh, is it going to be like this or is it going to be like this? And you ask the person who spent the time setting up the trip and has been camping 10 times more than you and knows more about it. They they naturally fall into this position of being the the decision maker, the sort of apex, the, the funnel point through which A versus B becomes either A or B. Like the decision has to be made at some point. Yeah, I, I think that the leftist critique isn't of Friends people taking how charge. Yeah. yeah, it's not a critique of leadership so much as leaders. The critique is more the times in which what what should be a mere difference in specialization becomes something that's more dictatorial, or where the risks of non-compliance become so high to the point that people are coerced into complying. Like the the risk of non-compliance with your boss is that you could lose your... Yeah, your security and your well-being. People conflate all of these different kinds of hierarchies a lot. And so it's good to zero in on exactly the one we're talking about. Yeah. And it's a social power difference, ultimately, where there's damaging effects of non-compliance. Hey, dude, can you check something out for me? Like, I just yeah, figured it? something out. So, yeah, like earlier this week, I was like, how does my how's my company structured? So I was making a graph of like the employees where uh, there's multiple people under different nested sections creating kind of like a pyramid web. The person at the top of that web is the fastest runner. And the people underneath them are like the second and third fastest runners and so on. And then you'd have the slowest runner over there. Um, it's like this kind of cool graph I made. I, and I thought we could call this a hierarchy. Oh, it's so interesting. I was um, thinking about fast food the other day and like the rise of fast food and how many fast food companies there are now. So I made this sort of like chart out of, you know, if you look here, the very first fast food restaurant is at one end and it's a single point and then uh, one's created in the next decade or at the next level and then the next decade or the next level and it kind of creates this branching tree as there's more and more fast food restaurants in existence. So it's just interesting the kind of similarities between these 
these two graphs that we've made. I wonder if it's natural. It's interesting because, it, yeah, it's really crazy. Your graph looks like that and mine looks like that. It's like the same, like you've done a hierarchy of food restaurants and I've done a hierarchy of people in my company. And but yeah, how could we know that was natural? I wonder, well, maybe, how does nature work? Yeah, right? let's, let's take a look at nature. So you have something, someone like a cheetah is going to eat a giraffe or a zebra. So that could be, you know, a lion eats a zebra. So a zebra is lower than it. And it also eats a giraffe. So the giraffe is lower than it. And then underneath that, maybe they would eat uh, shrews or right. uh, you know, leaves. Yeah, I, I, don't, don't, I know. don't know what they eat, but, but there, it, it would be underneath. something. They would eat something and it would be underneath it. Mm-hmm. And then underneath leaves you'd have sunlight and dirt and water makes a lot of sense so it's part of nature and it's part of the structure of fast food restaurants it seems to be like you could arrange the kinds of fish that exist in a in a way like this based oh, on the time yeah, or like an evolutionary history of fish like an yeah. earlier fish so, to a newer fish like a hierarchy of natural. fish or yeah natural so anything that's like this anything that can be diagrammed out like this Perfectly must be good and natural and right yeah, natural, therefore good. Yeah. True, therefore natural, therefore good. Simple as that. Four months later. Yeah, and the rich should control everything. I mean, uh, people who are rich got it because they deserve it. Poor people shouldn't and, have the right to vote. That's just I'm just going to say it. Yeah, they're not as well educated. And yeah. if they wanted it, they would be more educated. So. Yeah, exactly. We don't just hand out dignity for nothing. You oh, yeah, no, dignity. like, you, if you look at the hierarchy, it's clear that dignity rises to the top. Yeah, this part of the graph has those who are deserving of dignity, and then down here, down the natural kind of measurement of objectivity, less dignity. Yeah, makes perfect sense. We have discovered such a breakthrough over the last four months. We're going to change the world with this. How did people not see it before? It's just how things are. Well, you can see on this graph, us at the top, people who have figured this out are above the people beneath us. I like that people graph. People that we... I like that graph. Yeah, the people we taught, and then there's a few people they've taught. It's only a couple levels deep now, but that, no, looking that's for a graph. that thing to grow. Yeah. That's natural. Yeah. <laughs> natural and therefore good. Good, therefore true. Well, congratulations on our discovery. Congratulations to you on our discovery. Feels good to be congratulated by someone who is so important. You know, I could say the same thing about you, and I will. I will say the same thing. We're making huge breakthroughs on this hierarchy thing. Yeah, this is just moving on up. That's why we're up here. Yeah. So we've talked about before on the show, the one of the Chomsky like definitions of anarchism is that it's a political tradition that is about questioning authority and forcing authority to justify itself. It's a tradition that rejects illegitimate authority, illegitimate hierarchy. And yeah, again, for, it forces it to justify itself. And it's a good starting point, but it's very vague because like what makes an authority or a hierarchy legitimate or not legitimate. And like everyone's in favor of legitimate things and everyone is <laughs> yeah, yeah. not in favor of illegitimate things just by definition. Yeah. It's illegitimate like saying, things are bad. It's just a fancy way of saying good versus bad. It's saying like <laughs> anarchists are in favor of good and against bad <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the, in the realm of hierarchy. So yeah, I came up with these elements that I feel like are part of this issue in various ways. The first one I came up with was power versus influence. So you can say that there's hierarchies that arise 
because people are persuaded by other people. This also maps onto leaders versus leadership, like you were saying. Leadership might be closer to influence, whereas leaders might be closer to power. So yeah, are you following the commands of the person above you because they have earned your loyalty through demonstrating good judgment and knowledge and and competence or are you following them because of the potential negative consequences of not of non-compliance as you were saying which would be more of a power relationship but i guess like even in my save the whales organization there's something of a power element to it you can have people kicked out of the organization because you believe they're not contributing well and you're part of the group that's been there the longest or they're trying to sabotage the whales future rather than save the whales they're they're in your organization but they actually want the the whales to be that'd be an example it would be a legitimate use of authority to have a contextual game where the game rules say our organization is saving whales if you join our organization but you actually don't like whales and wish all whales would die then we have a correct reason to push you from the organization and not include you in it yeah so yeah i bring that up just to say that even in this power versus influence dichotomy don't think we can say power is always bad and influence is always good um, because there's also people who are, are following someone you might just call an influencer because they're not following them because they're scared of punishment. They're following them because they're true believers, but they're still acting out awful things. Like like those kinds of hierarchies can be bad also. I think hierarchies that are based almost exclusively on power and very little on influence or have to manufacture the influence tend to be very corrupt. So we've zeroed in a couple times now, power versus influence, but what is the use of power where you can identify that as an illegitimate use of power. It's like where you have coercion, cruelty, or humiliation, twisted motivations, where like if you're a police officer who is racist mm -hmm. and is being treating the members of the public unfairly based on visual characteristics, like that is an abuse of power. It's also, it's a t type of hierarchical use of power that wouldn't survive under a context in which more people had influence on it like racist cops only make sense in a system where people aren't able to challenge the racism of cops they aren't able to have an influence on how police do their work that actually brings up another dichotomy or actually two of the dichotomies i wrote down that are linked together quite a bit one was top down versus bottom up like whether the power in a hierarchy is flowing from the top down or from the bottom up and i think a lot of anarchists uh, myself included a lot of the times like to idealize the idea of a bottom-up power structure mm. um but going completely bottom-up can become unworkable I don't, I don't know what what to say about that it's like well it's a more complex system right out of the gate having the king decide everything that happens in the kingdom is a lot easier philosophically to grapple with and imagine yeah it's so efficient everyone in the kingdom having a say of what happens in the kingdom it is a recipe for corruption, pain, domination, humiliation, cruelty, and so on, to centralize the power in the king rather than decentralizing where people have an influence in what actually happens in their lives. But it, it is it's sure simple. It's quick to wrap your mind around. Whereas when you start talking about empowering everyone in a kingdom, a municipality, a city, or a country, 
to have political, not just self-determination, but political self-determination, where you have all these differing points of view and differing interests. And it's a recipe for a very, very complex philosophical discussion and understanding. Yeah, because the system we have now is top-down in the sense that we elect or it already, that's the bottom-up aspect, but we elect these leaders, these people to be the representatives of our uh, provinces, of our country, of our cities. So there's a mayor, there's a prime minister, there's a president, there's a governor. And those people, they're at the tops of these hierarchies and have a lot of power over what goes on in the country, but they're answerable to us in election time. And like, yes, we can talk about how maybe that's corrupted in various ways and imperfect, but that's the basic idea. So it's the hierarchy exists, but the power flow is at least ideally bi-directional. It's coming from the top down in terms of like these people that are in those positions have a lot of influence over how the system works. They can write new laws. They can set legal precedent. They, they can do a lot of things and have a lot of power over everyone in the country, but everyone in the country has power over them in terms of being able to vote them out. So one of the di other dichotomies I had was unidirectional versus bidirectional. And the problem with the King scenario and the problem with like this total democracy chaos scenario is that it's unidirectional. So I, yeah, I think bi-directionality and the extent of that is really important. Like power has to flow both up and down. There needs to be ways for the people at the bottom to exercise control over what happens above them in the hierarchy. Uh, I think that's one aspect that makes a hierarchy, even a power hierarchy more legitimate or is like a yeah, major criteria that you need to look at. Yeah, and in, in this current system we have here in Canada, our democratic system is mixed in its direction. It doesn't strictly come from the top because of like the election season, campaign season thing that you're mentioning. But at the same time, I feel like to a great degree within this system, people are elected to rule rather than being elected to represent. And although the representative aspect of it does come up, especially when you're dealing with more principled politicians in the system are, are thinking more in terms of representation than, than ruling. But there's some tensions there. And like, are you representing your party? Are you representing the people who elected you? Or are you representing the people in the geographic region where you won the election? Because those are three separate overlapping, but still separate questions of representation. Because mm -hmm. if you're representing the party, then you're talking about a party line or you're talking about an ideological thrust and, and the balances of power within that party. Or you're talking about, if you're talking about representing just the people who voted for you and elected for you, like your base, that's going to align to a great degree with your party because they voted for you for a reason. But it also might deviate from the party as a whole. Like you might have regional concerns and if you're representing everyone in your geographical area that you're representing, then you're not only liable for your personal ideas, your party's ideas, and the ideas that brought you to power, but you also need to, to some degree, advocate for ideas that you disagree with that are also physically present in your riding. And then also you're going to have your own ideas, you know, like mm -hmm. you're also going to come in with your own conceptions, which might conflict with the party, the people who elected you and the region that you elected. So those are like four balancing 
things in representation in, in our current system. Like it's hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. And I think all all this is to say that the hierarchy of our government right now is it's far from clear that it's this top down, very specific thing. There's a lot of complicated power flows and uh, ways to frame various issues where you could frame the whole political system as subordinate to economic interests. You could frame the whole political system as subordinate to the voters or the populace. You could frame both of those things the opposite way. And they're all true because the power doesn't just flow in one direction. Power is flowing in multiple directions. It's a lot more complex than common discourse on it often allows for. Today's episode of Seriously Wrong is brought to you by the Canadian Council of Legitimists. Legitimism is an up-and-coming political philosophy that's making big waves. It's, it's simple. It just comes down to one thing. And I'll ask you to look inside yourself and see if you agree. Legitimists believe that the legitimate is good and the illegitimate is bad. If you haven't picked up the Legitimism Manifesto yet, you've got to read it. It's amazing. When I first opened it up, I was like... You know, I don't know what I think about legitimacy, but now that I've read it, I just think legitimate things are good and illegitimate things are bad. And everywhere I look, I see, oh, that's illegitimate. Like, that is illegitimacy. That needs to be stamped out. But over here, oh, legitimacy. It gives you kind of a framework to interpret the world. And you might have heard of us before, some, some of our prominent legitimists, such as uh, Noam Chomsky, who is a renowned philosopher of uh, linguistics and also political science. He travels the world telling people that if something's legitimate, it's good, and if something's illegitimate, it's bad. Uh, so that's... Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Yeah. It really... Yeah. That, that really made some waves when he came out with that, and, and we're thankful for that. Yeah, nobody had ever thought of it before, and now that it's out there, the world is changing. We are growing so fast, and you have the opportunity to be in at the base level, like at the start of the movement. It's a mm -hmm. brand new idea. It's a brand new political movement. The Canadian Council of Legitimists. It's uh, so exciting. And membership right now is half off. If you go to the show's liner notes, you'll find the link, click on it, join the movement. $23 a month. It's worth it. Today's episode of Seriously Wrong is sponsored by The Legitimists. If something's illegitimate, it's not legitimate. At the same time, though, if a police officer is going to murder you for what you're doing, especially if what you're doing is political, which there's a very long history of conflicts between police and activists or political people. That's one of the points where you can be like, that is an unjust hierarchy where the power that police officer has over that person. And those police officers are going according to laws that are written by politicians that are elected, but it's ambiguous whether or not those politicians are representing the people who elected them, or if the people are just picking rulers. And it seems to me like it leans more towards the side that you're electing rulers. And then also, like, for example, here in Canada, we've got an unelected Senate. It's a Senate that's been appointed by prime ministers over decades. So these are people who have never been elected or accountable to the public. And actually, historically, were put into that place specifically to protect property owners and the elite against unfettered grassroots democracy that might deprive them of their, their unjust amounts of property and so on. And that's still present in our system today. So then there's clearly, like, that is a ruling 
aspect to our system. Mm -hmm. Although technically our Senate doesn't actually interfere with bills that much usually because um, there's a, there'd be a lot, there's a lot of controversy around it. And like the way that the Senate continues to exist peacefully is by just not making a lot of noise, just taking their big checks. Um, <laughs> appointing when they're in, when they're in power appointing their guys in so uh, they can have more of their guys in there but i don't even know if it's useful to say that hierarchy is the problem in all these systems though yeah i think what i'm trying to zero in on is that it isn't because hierarchy can have all these different versions of it bottom up top down an influence hierarchy a power hierarchy another one that we've already talked around but i didn't make explicit yet was um, i wrote hegemonic versus pluralistic meaning like a society with one dictator uh, who controls the economy and the political system and everything. It's a very hegemonic type of singular hierarchy in which all the various powers of society are concentrated into this one pyramid versus a pluralistic sort of society where like in Canada, as we've been describing, there are these complex interacting hierarchies of like the federal government, the local governments, the regional governments, but also hierarchies of powerful companies and organizations. Like each one of those has hierarchical organization within them. And there's this sort of meta level of analysis of like you stop looking at individual people and start looking at organizations, most of all of which are organized in hierarchical fashions, and they're interacting with each other in these complex ways. So, yeah, I guess I just do want to agree with you or say that like I don't, I don't think hierarchy is the right target. I think unjust power relations are the right target. Maybe one easy way to think of like unjust power relations is that power relations are unjust when they don't respect the basic dignity of individual human beings. So, you know, the possibility of being shot for reasons that, you know, aren't that you're threatening the life of someone else or something that, that might be a legitimate reason to shoot someone. Um, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, the wrong skin color, the wrong gender, the wrong whatever for the particular place and time. That's obviously a disregard for that individual. The brute fact of how capitalist markets work and how people can, people being bosses can hold your livelihood ransom. And unless you comply with their, their wishes is a sort of like in indignity to the individual. So, you know, in the fix for that isn't even necessarily in having to change how companies are run, but changing whether your livelihood depends on the companies. But I think we also need to bring in historically, there have been hierarchies often correlated with like property ownership and wealth where there was a social hierarchy that was categorical where say like certain races were worth more than others or men dominating women or like yeah the, the propertied class versus the serfs yeah, yeah so like we could call these are all like unambiguously bad and i think very close to the heart of the leftist critique of hierarchy yeah when you're saying like it's a hegemonic top-down unidirectional power hierarchy yeah, where some some people, based on categorical things outside of their control, are considered to be worth more or less than each other, are considered to be more or less capable of holding property or gaining social status or having their vote literally worth less. Yeah, or like, not being able to vote at all. Yeah, yeah, it's 
that stuff is insane. And like, if you call it a hierarchy, then I'm against that. Yeah. But whatever you call it, I'm against that. And I'm not where you have all these conflicting ideas of hierarchy and all these just common repetitive misconceptions of like, you're against hierarchy. So what are you against recording how fast people run? It's, it's just gives such an excuse or such a reason to get so far away from what the point is. Um, where, where you have all these different things we're referring to as hierarchy that are are distinct from each other. Yeah. Yeah. I just agree with what you said. And I want to echo that it's like the dignity of the individual is not being respected. People are being placed into these, these categorizations that parse out human dignity more to some people than to other people. And I think that's, that's the mistake. And I've seen debates about whether or not that dignity scarcity is quote natural and people will cite different animals in the wild, like where there's like dominance hierarchies and like where you'll have, you know, like baboons fighting with each other and having either dominant or submissive signals to each other based on like their pack status or whatever mm-hmm. as, as being arguments that the domination of the poor by the rich or the domination of women by men is quote natural and therefore good or therefore permissible. But I think like you can make the argument and some people do make the argument that it's not natural, that it's like a deviation from some purer version of human interaction. Mm -hmm. But I think whether or not, I mean, it's both natural and unnatural. I think the real concern is not whether or not it is something that we can find elsewhere in nature or something that nature is capable of bearing because nature is capable of bearing nuclear weapons and genocide and all these other horrible things. Uh, so if nature is capable of bearing something and it comes up in nature, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily good. Like chimpanzees will kill other chimpanzees' babies. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we should kill each other's babies and it's moral and good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The question is, is it moral or immoral? And it's from where I'm sitting, it's unambiguously immoral to categorize human beings and enforce a scarcity of dignity, especially when you're talking about those lower classes of people who are given less dignity from the scarcity system where they're increased the chances of them being locked in a cage indefinitely or murdered by police go skyrocketing up or they're just like shit on in public, like just people insulting them and being cruel to them because of their social status, causing them to be highly stressed. And people who have high levels of stress hormones in their bodies are going to die younger or be more susceptible to illness. So it's natural in the same sense that nuclear weapons and genocide are natural, but that's not an endorsement of it. It's something that we can transcend because it's immoral. Yeah. And I mean, to the extent that like we can identify progress in the history of our society, I think a lot of it is defined by the expansion of human dignity to more and more people to the point where now in our legal system is explicitly the idea that, you know, we have these inalienable human rights that apply to murderers, apply to people who by all accounts, are maybe not worthy of dignity, like a child rapist. I'm using these examples as the absolute like worst kinds of people there are, but they still have rights under the law. Like you can't just kill them because you know that they killed someone else. Like you are then also guilty of a crime. Their innate worth as a human being is not sacrificed for any reason at all ideally like in practice we still haven't got there yet but like the trajectory is more towards that and like the game has been sniffing out places where even if we think we're being equal with the dignity distribution we're actually not and it's become more and more subtle as history moves forward but that's the point 
Hey, uh, Dad, do you, do you have a minute? Can we have a conversation? Uh, yes, I know. I just think this whole situation, it's out of whack. You know, you're exercising all this authority over me, like there's some hierarchy and that you're above me, but I just don't, like, I'm, well, so I don't see the legitimacy for it. Let me I don't explain think it's... something to you real quick. When a family has a child, the father and the mother, they have legitimate hierarchy over the child because they're a wealth of experience. And yeah, but I mean, because of that, they will actually protect the child. Of course. And it's safer for the child to be under their kind of wing and receive but I'm their feedback. And no longer, I'm dad, I'm not a child anymore. I'm 37 years well, old. You're I've been my child, I've, son. Oh, well, I mean, I'll always, I'll always be your boy, dad. But I mean, I've been a legal adult now for 19 years, for longer than I was ever a legal child. So I'm now, you know, I think we're equals in a sense, you know, as far well, as, son, as long as you, uh, as long as you live under my roof, as long as you're eating the dinner your mother makes you every night, as long mm. as uh, I'm giving you room and board for free. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still the boss. I mean, but do you have to be the boss of what I wear? Like, oh, would you gonna I'm, bring up that outfit again? It's just we thought you I don't, I don't like the outfit. Well, you should wear it more often. It makes your mother sad that you don't wear it as much as we'd hoped. And I mean, while we're on the subject of me living here, I did, you know, I've tried to move out. I try to move out all the time. You, oh, you sometimes you call the moving company ready, and son. cancel the trucks. You're not ready. You, uh, have we need you, boy? The we last place I here. got let into, you called the landlord and told them lies about me. Well, son, sometimes you... Here, let me tell you something real quick. Sometimes when you got a kid and you're a parent, uh, you got to tell a little white lie to protect them. What are you protecting me from? So, like, for example, if a son said, uh, where do babies come from? You don't want to tell them that when they're too young. So you say a stork. They're just the same. When I told the landlord you were convicted sexual predator and that you're under house arrest, it's illegal to house you. That's a d dad's doing what dads do, protecting their, their son. So I don't know why you bring that up. Okay, Dad. Well, I guess dinner's almost ready. I'll just I'll just go upstairs and put on the outfit. Yeah, put on the outfit, please. You know, your mother's going through a lot right now, for goodness sake. Do something for her. Okay, I'll see you for dinner in a bit. Good talk. Yeah. Good talk. I guess. This episode of Seriously Wrong is brought to you by the New Canadian Society of the Illegitimists. For far too long, there's been this dogma going around that just because something is quote unquote legitimate, it means that it's good. But the truth is precisely the opposite. Legitimacy is a construct that exists in order to reify current power structures. Its entire existence is a ruse in order to trick you into doing the wrong thing. Illegitimists believe that everything we do must be the opposite of what's quote unquote legitimate. Being legitimate is a prison or a cage. It's something that's used by those who hold on to their mantle of legitimacy to cast out the illegitimate and throw the illegitimate on their backs and, and, and call them garbage, call them scum, take away their dignity. Illegitimists have taken off their foggy societal glasses. They can see through the lies of legitimacy. We realize that the legitimate are illegitimate and that's why we're illegitimists. Do something illegitimate today and challenge legitimacy whenever you see it in the world around you. The new Canadian Society of Illegitimists is here. We're ready for new members. We're looking at you. Join us. It's half price this month. So if you check the liner notes of this podcast, you can find the link there. It's only $20 a month and you can make a big difference in making sure that the legitimate are challenged and revealed as illegitimate. 
This episode of Seriously Wrong is brought to you by the new Canadian Society of Illegitimists. Legitimate things are bad. Illegitimacy is the real legitimacy. So, yeah, one of the kind of insidious places where this definition wobble, where the term hierarchy is implied to be a single thing in a way that has detrimental effects to our analysis, is around the concept of meritocracy. Philosophically, it's the idea that those who are most capable should lead, or like those who are most deserving should be given rewards. People who contribute the most to society should have the highest wages the best houses and so on, or the people who are the best leaders should become leaders. So as a should, it makes a lot of sense. Totally understand the appeal of it. But it's also often used to say that we already have a meritocracy or like the reason why certain people are policemen or presidents or landlords or the ultra rich are because they've contributed the most or they have the most specialization. Or historically, it would be like the reason that men are the heads of households, the reason that men control society is because men are superior to women. So yeah, the meritocratic argument, there's this kind of, I think, optimistic and hopeful and maybe even utopian side to it when you're talking about the world of should, like how do we make a society that rewards those who are most deserving primarily and puts people who are most competent into the positions of authority? That There's like this positive side to it, but then it's also got this very, very insidious and I think kind of cruel side that we've seen throughout history where people say, no, no, we've already got that. The rich are rich because they're the best and the poor are scum. Yeah. One of the other dichotomies I wrote down that I didn't mention yet was violence versus competence. And so you can have hierarchies where people move up the chain based on their competence or ones based on violence is kind of a, I'm using it broadly here, but based on force, based on intimidation, coercion, nepotism and, and yeah, yeah. Nepotism, um, pure chance luck. But what, what you're talking about is how violence hierarchies use the cloak of being a competence hierarchy in order to justify themselves, but it's a false justification because it's not, accurate to how it's actually organizing. And I, like, I think some of those examples are really clear cut that they're not based on competence alone because people who don't own land yet might be more competent at running a farm than people who own land because their parents own land. Like that has nothing to do with competence, but you're born into either the landowning class or the non-landowning class in like a feudal society and like there's no moving between them. So that's not a competence hierarchy, but it would be presented as if it was. I think in modern times, a lot of our hierarchies are mixtures of the two. Like you're not going to often have people move up to high positions in governments and companies who aren't capable of performing the tasks required of them in a fairly competent way. Like there always has to be some amount of merit involved because you can't just have like someone who can't read and can't add two numbers together to be the CEO of Microsoft or something. It's it's just not going to work. So so there is some competence involved. I like meritocracy as an aspirational and kind of utopian lens of like how can we be more meritocratic mm -hmm. with the That's assumption. That's the direction you want to push in. 
Yeah, I think it's one of the things that we should be considering, like, especially when you're dealing with life and death matters, you want to put people who are competent in positions of authority as much as possible. Yeah. But I think that's really close to purely aspirational at this point. While there is, in many cases, competent people in positions of authority, the amount of social power that we're missing out on the amount of competent people that we don't give the opportunity to carry power, don't give the opportunity to develop their competence, is much higher and greater level than we're actually doing in the way that our society is organized. I think the way that our society is organized kind of promotes aspects of, of power and, and hierarchical chains of command that are corrupted by the things that aren't that aren't based on competence and ability. And like just a lot of random luck is involved. Yeah, I think random luck's a big part of it and violence is also a big part of it and nepotism and heredity and and inertia is a big part of it but yeah I, i don't know i don't know how much i would downplay the competence thing because like certainly there's corruption and there's in a lot of incompetence i don't think you would ever completely get rid of that but I don't know. Things things work pretty well. The lights stay on. Uh, <laughs> if you kill someone, the police will try and look for you and put you in jail. Uh, like just like a lot of things are like actually function pretty well that we sort of take for granted in society. And I think that's a result of like competent people in all sorts of areas of power. Like it's easy to focus in on the areas where there's these unjust power relations because that's the thing we don't like. But mm. the the things that we do like that are operating just fine kind of fall into the background and they're numerous and everywhere in our society right now also as well as the injustices that we need to focus on. And maybe it's more important to focus on the injustices because those are the things you want to change, but um it's also good to notice what's working and take care to not disregard or throw that away yeah no yeah and i feel like more like i what i want to say more than incompetent people are in power which i think is is too broad a statement to to really be accurate or inaccurate maybe saying there are too many incompetent people who rise to power Mm -hmm. but my bigger complaint is that we've got this huge pool of potential competence and potential merit that we don't give the opportunity to thrive and grow, that we don't build up to the point where they can take reins. And I think that there's enough human potential and spontaneity and genius just underneath the surface that with a few tweaks, a few utopian tweaks to our society, we could unlock this incredible human potential that's just bubbling underneath the surface and held down by by structures that are antiquated. Mm-hmm. What are some of those utopian tweaks? Were you well, thinking of something specific? Oh, yeah. No, well, like, how do you make people thrive? Like, we know that if someone is stressed out and has an unpleasant life, prolonged exposure to stress disrupts your prefrontal cortex, disrupts long term planning, disrupts the parts of your brain that can build new skills or devote yourselves to things. So, like, how do we lower people's stress? How do we make it so that when a woman gets pregnant, she is supported as a mother by society. How do we make sure that we value all these things in our society that need to happen for society to work, but are currently undervalued? Like, that's an example of, I think, the human potential of women around the world right now is seriously stifled by social constructions, by political constructions, and by economic constructions. And uh, men, too. I think there's a huge amount of men who are who are deprived of opportunities 
that would be so monumental in their growth as individuals and in the building of their competence and their capacity to take on the project of saving the world, saving other people and, and like creating a, a more perfect society. But women in particular, where you have this huge history of sexism um, and many parts of the world still have very um, reductive and, and hierarchical views on gender, how much human genius and innovation and, and human power are we missing out on because of these archaic institutions? So yeah, the question is, how do you make people thrive? How do you lower stress? How do you give people access to the resources that they need to build a better world? And how do you allow them to communicate and collaborate with each other to create that better world? How do you create political systems that allow people to interact with them in a way where we allow people to participate in politics while at the same time having some barriers for competence other than just, you know, uh, people's ambition. So like, how do we take the genius of unambitious people and use it for the good of society? And how do we make sure that just because someone's ambitious, that we're also checking their competence? Yeah, making sure they're also a genius if they're going to have a lot of power uh, and not just a genius, but a caring, compassionate person who has the correct ideals like of <laughs> universal human dignity when you mentioned this uh, big untapped pool of human potential one of the potential solutions that it brought to mind for me was that right now we have to some extent moved away from a hegemonic type of hierarchy in society where there's just one king and his administration underneath them and they control the economy and everything yada yada um, and we've moved more towards pluralistic hierarchies we have various levels of government we have these different companies and organizations but i think moving even further in that direction creates more space for people to interact meaningfully with power hierarchies because the smaller and more localized they are the more porous they are to interaction from the lower levels or from the people who have not yet ventured into the hierarchy so while i don't think we want to go fully bottom up uh unidirectional from the bottom up i do think we want to create more opportunities for people to have to exercise power over their lives in a local level at a local setting because i think that diversifying that expanding the number of hierarchies limits the power of any one individual hierarchy so therefore limiting the potential for abuse but it also creates more slots for more people who have skills and competences and things to offer to contribute because there's more space available if it is set up in any kind of meritocratic way at all more places for them to demonstrate their competence and therefore gain some leadership so yeah just moving more in the direction of bi-directionality and moving more in the direction of pluralistic multiple hierarchies i think is two ways to tap that human potential more fully Welcome to Keyboard Warrior Radio Theater. We need to smash the construct of legitimacy. Nothing is less legitimate than being legitimate. Actually, what we need to do is make things that are actually legitimate. For example, we need major police reform right now. We need to turn the police into a legitimate force that distributes dignity equally and only enforces just laws. 
legitimacy is the very construct which reifies and builds up the police. We need to illegitimize the police. It's too legitimate right now. The claim of legitimacy it has is used to brutalize people and oppress. There's nothing more legitimate than not respecting human dignity equally. If we want to give everyone human dignity, we need to illegitimize. Wow. I mean, I agree that we need to give everyone human dignity equally, which is actually just the definition of what is legitimate. So if you want people to have human dignity equally, then what you need to do is legitimize everything. That's my slogan, legitimize everything. That means turn everything into something that treats human beings with equal dignity. They claim to be legitimate. You claim to be legitimate. I don't see a difference. We need to be illegitimate. Illegitimate means not respecting human dignity. You're also illegitimate because you're claiming to be, so you don't respect human dignity, and I don't agree with you. The only people who can respect human dignity and give it to all are the people who are illegitimate. You need to illegitimize yourself out of that system, man. Blocked. Wow, I can't believe how much that guy didn't respect human dignity. Just terrible. That guy hated human dignity so much. That's going to bum me out all day. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Keyboard Warrior Radio Theater. I know an example that you'd given before for like a legitimate hierarchy was a movie set where you have a director. You have all these like specializations of roles and the director's in charge of the filming and like the final product of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's some degrees of autonomy in it, but there is kind of a a hierarchical thing to it. Like, for example, the PAs are bossed around by the head PA. There's a lighting manager, et cetera. And like each section works because of the leaderships of all those sections. And I, I feel like that provides a metaphor or a framework for when we're talking about I I wouldn't even call it hierarchy, although I think it could be described as hierarchy, but we touched on it before, of the differences in specialization versus hierarchy. Mm -hmm. It's not that a movie set has a ranking where you're like, oh, I'm number 23, I'm the 23rd down, up from the top, and number one is producer slash director or whatever. But I mean, you you could draw it out that way. Like on a movie set, like the director is often the one calling the shots, unless there's like a money man, a producer who's you know, higher up on the rank than they are. But if this is, say, this is like a writer-director person, it's their pet project, and they uh, gained funding from people who have agreed to have no creative say in the issue, like in this specific scenario, the director is the autocrat of the set, and they're saying, light it like this. Like, they'll take suggestions and things, but no, I want you to put the camera here. I want you to zoom in more. I want you to act like this. Like, think of this when you're, like, I want that look to come across your face. Like, they're the ones calling all the shots. They're not calling all the shots, though, because there's a lot of specialization going on there. They might say, I want this lit to look like X, but they're not saying, put that light there, put that light there, put that light there. You know, that's stuff for the Well, yeah, that's, guy that's micromanaging know. versus managing. But just because your manager doesn't micromanage you doesn't mean they're not above you, like so, calling the shots. Yeah, so what, uh, it, it may be in the sense that there's like an individual relationship there where like the lighting manager isn't going to say like, fuck off director, I'm going to light it how I want. Mm-hmm. But there is, there's a degree of specialization there. And I think that's that's what I'm kind of zeroing in on here was like, that the set isn't a hierarchy that is just like this simple thing where the director has a divine right to tell everyone what to do all the time. Um, although I'm, I'm sure it's possible to create such a set, but I'm kind of proposing an alternate theory or an alternate way to view this where you're 
through the moral lens of like how I think there could be an immoral film set and a moral film set, as absurd as that might sound as an example, whereas a moral film set is based on where the director has the specialization of focusing on the final product and making sure that all the pieces are coordinated, although many people are bringing different specializations to it, whether that's an actor knowing their role in their lines, the PA is making sure that random people from the street don't walk up or whatever various things PAs do. All these different specialized roles, you could frame them in terms of like small hierarchies of like command or or people who know more or know less or do more or do less. So like a perfect film set, a more moral film set would emphasize that diversity of roles and bring out the best out of everyone to create a more perfect film. And I think we could look at hierarchy within society within that same kind of framework of like differences in capacity rather than being ranked with each other being something that's complementary where we see ourselves more as like a film set as a super organism that is producing something together based on specializations and differences and where society could in the same way be the super organism where everyone is to the greatest degree possible given the capacity to thrive reach their full potential and bring their specialization towards the big thing that we're working on as a society which is eliminating cruelty traveling to the stars building more and more and more impressive infrastructure to hold and maintain larger and larger populations i can imagine someone thinking of it in terms of hierarchy but i think of it as something that is cuz i'm feeling more and more like i want to reject the whole hierarchy framing in the first place and like this this makes sense to me. This version of meritocracy slash whatever makes sense to me. That specialization, mm-hmm. but you don't want to. That's and it's also very different than having a dictator of Earth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But you might um, have like a department that's in charge of coordinating Earth, making sure that everything is and, working and, and together. So, and, and someone at that department is like technically the head of it and maybe they can be recalled via democratic processes and like they're not autocratic at all but they're at this sort of apex point of like the go-to person that people like if two lighting people have a dispute on how to light the scene there they're going to ask the maybe the light guy ahead of them or maybe they're going to ask the director so there's this chain of command where like ultimately decision making power or chain of influence chain yeah yeah sure exactly i i see the picture being drawn here as one that like involves again like bidirectional pluralistic influence based competence hierarchies that have strong ideals the f- the final dichotomy that i didn't get to yet was ideals versus personal gain this actually is more just like what's the hierarchy oriented to is it like towards the profit of the ceos and the shareholders or is it towards some ideal some like what what is the goal of the organization and i think that's an important question to ask when talking about hierarchies and what you were just talking about was like society is like this film set we're all working on together and we have different specializations and we're heading towards a society where more people are taken care of and we go to the stars and the stars say hi back and the stars say hi back like that's part of the crucial aspect of that is that's what the goal of the hierarchy is. There's this ideal of uh, universal human dignity, of sort of sanctity of the individual as a member of humanity, of society. 
And it's a more voluntary system than more of a compulsory system that people are motivated to participate in it because the quality and influence of the ideas and and actions that are being taken. It's free of the, the social constructs of psychological inferiority or superiority, especially based on categories, where someone who is not good at playing the piano, meeting someone who is good at playing the piano doesn't make them feel bad or jealous, but it reminds them of their own special qualities. Yeah, they're not part of a, a caste above you in t- society, like the, a society the, organized the into the pianists and the non-pianists. Oh, well, and like yeah. pianists society- are trained from birth to be amazing <laughs> pianists and non-pianists are born terrible and remain terrible and forever. They don't have access to pianos. Uh, well, why would they? They're terrible at piano. Why would we give them access to why piano? Why would we give them land? <laughs> Yeah. Why would we give them the right to vote? That's just absurd. They're they can't terrible even play piano. the piano. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and also, yeah. you know, we've abolished racism and sexism, these really horrific ideas that people carry with them that certain groups are worth more than others and that dignity is a scarce resource that can only be distributed according to superficial characteristics. Society is more meritocratic because people are given the full capacity to express their potential and work together towards shared ends. And also meritocracy is never used to hide unfair hierarchy. It's never used as an argument that the reason why racism exists is because one group is better or worse than the other. The reason that bosses have authority over you are because they're better, more competent people and you're worth less than them and you have less dignity than them. All those things are abolished in our perfect society. Let's uh, take a quick break from the episode because actually Sean and I have an announcement that we want to make. We're super proud to announce. Um, uh, nothing makes me happier than announcing this. Aaron and I have decided to run for King of the World. Uh, literal uh, King of the World. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, we decided that it's a job that someone's got to do. Someone's got to be at the top. It might as well be both of us in the one position of King. Mm-hmm. So we want this to be completely legitimate. Just to be clear, we want this to be Oh yeah, we're running for legitimate board. King of the World, not illegitimate. So, you know, that means we're not going to control your life. Yeah, we don't want to micromanage everything or have our finger in every pie. We want to let people do their thing. If we were messing with that, then that would be illegitimate. And we're well established legitimists we we want things to be above board and legitimate and yeah we and un- we understand that a lot of people have skills that we don't and so we wouldn't go about telling people how to do things that we don't know how to do we're more of a kind of point man for people to run things by we give out ideas you know maybe they agree maybe they don't but we sort of make sure everything runs smoothly like a coordinator or supervisor of the world and all of the machinations of humankind so basically we just have like a committee uh, Aaron and I at the top and then we'd have kind of our crew our team probably about 40 or 50 yeah just below uh, us geniuses just below us it's actually right here it's on this chart uh, but we, we invented this thing called hierarchy uh, new uh, innovation like six months ago and it was so, a crazy four months inventing that I'm sure you have all heard of it by now so you know if you look at this chart we're at the top we were the ones who invented it mm-hmm. and so then there's the 50 people below us and they're... but it's it's not that we're like control every aspect of their lives or something no like no, that. no no but it's just we like we're control... kind of the point person the yeah. coach we don't really head. control any aspects of their lives no actually. no and we no. want we if anything we want to see them self-actualize as much as possible and give them that room to thrive and then so us and our team will kind of what we really require more than control per se is uh, access to information so we want to know everything that's going on on earth um, as much as possible and we also want a lot of influence so we want our feedback to be taken seriously when we give it 
Yeah, it's not binding arbitration or anything, but it is taken seriously by everyone else who has influence in other fields. It's, well, it's kind of this whole system where people are specialized into various jobs that they're the best at. But and us and our, our 50, uh, our gender balanced team of 50 geniuses, we're just kind of looking at the big picture, making all the parts work together. Um, and yeah, we do deserve a little respect. We're legitimate kings. So, yeah. so this is what's being proposed. We're setting a timeline. Yeah. Legitimate kings by 2035. Aaron and I's biggest hope. It's our biggest project. We've been working on this for a long time and so excited to announce. Yeah, and we think that's a legitimate period of time in which to prepare us for the job and mm. yeah. And shore up support. Yeah. So if you want to contribute to our campaign, you can check link the link section, notes. the liner yeah. notes. And you'll find it's actually half price this month, which is $20 per month. Yeah, contribute today to uh, having the world's first legitimate kings. Finally. Yeah, finally, yeah, exactly. And now back to the show, back to the regular scheduled show, which this wasn't part of. This has been the Seriously Wrong Podcast. It's this great podcast that you just discovered. It comes out every week and it's hosted by Sean and Aaron. And uh, it's pretty good. It's probably worth passing on to five or ten of your friends and then making a donation. If you donate $6 a month on our Patreon or PayPal, we'll give you access to all of our bonus members-only episodes. Um, you can also join our secret Facebook group where everyone who uh, everyone who donates to us can talk to each other and talk to us. And it's a fun little group. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll be back again. Oh, yeah. And the people who donate to us are in a higher social class than the people who don't donate to us. Mm. If you don't donate to us, then we control your political, economic, and social future. But if you are a donator, you can join us here on the upper crust and uh, you can own yeah, you land. You get to vote. You get to own land. You are uh, superior cognitively, physically, just pretty much in every way. You get dignity. The non-donator. Yeah, you you get that sweet, sweet dignity. The non-donators will perform tasks for you. They'll serve you work the land that you own. Anyway. It's only natural. It's nice. So yeah, for six bucks a month, it's a pretty good deal to get into that upper crust. It's cheap. Mm, that's the cost of two or three cups of coffee, depending on how much you shop around. Yeah, that, that's the cost of one frappuccino with an extra shot of espresso every month. Which is something that I have every day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Oh, leader. What's your favorite part of leader? Oh, he's just so strong, you know? Mm hmm. I love those in arms. Charge. Yeah. Oh, those arms. But also, actually, like the physical aspects of leader, obviously perfect, obviously at the top of the chain. But his intelligence, his compassion, his wisdom, his humor. He's the best at all those two. Yeah, definitely. If so you look at all those charts, that's why leaders at the top of them all. Intelligence, the compassion, that chart. Uh, the evolutionary history of all life on Earth. Leaders at the top of that leaders chart. At leaders at the top of. Well, that's why they make him leader, right? It's because yeah. he's just like the best at everything. Yeah. Right. Ultimate. It's so, it's so right that yeah. he's leader. Yeah. You know, another thing I really, really love about leaders is just how long his fingernails are. They're and I the mean, longest. of course, he's the leader, so he'd have the longest fingernails. And so, but it's just, they're so beautiful, and it's why he deserves more food than everyone else. It's just like... <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, like, you always remember growing up, long fingernail kids get the bread, get more of the bread. Yeah. And short fingernail kids... Yeah. Um, What's left over, the crusts. Crusts or whatever, you know, yeah, yeah, if they're lucky. Yeah. Because they don't deserve dignity. But... 
the kids with long fingernails, they eat and eat and eat all sorts of delicious, wonderful breads. They're more like leader. They're more destined to be like leader. They mm. kind of, yeah, it's um, only natural, you know. Mm. And it's, it's, just it's, it's so I'm so glad that we figured it out and that all these charts make perfect sense and refer to the same kinds of thing and just legitimize the power of the pointed end of the chart over the other parts of the chart. It just makes so much sense. It's the same like when you trace evolution from a common ancestor, and it's also the same when you trace a food chain from the, the most victimized to the most carnivorous. It's the same as the chart leader. Glad he has power over all of us. Glad he gets the most food. I'm glad my fingernails were long enough as a kid that Thank I got God. enough bread. Yeah, yeah. got yeah. enough bread to make it this far. Yeah. Who knows how the future will go, you know, bread shortages and all. You know, there's always someone with longer fingernails than you. But um, Well, leader for one. Yeah, but... But yeah, also, we're not we're exactly not, close to the top of that graph. No, we're not at the bottom by any stretch. Thank but God. Yeah. <laughs> what a great society we live in. If I was lower, I'd be so full of self-hate about my fingernails. Yeah, like yeah no, definitely. At least we're, we're respectable. Mm-hmm. A respectable length. We do get some dignity. Some is better than none. That's what I always say. Hey, yeah, I'll fight to protect the system. Use these fingernails to scratch out the eyes of anyone who tries to challenge it. Yeah, what are they going to do? Yeah, <laughs> use their short little fingernails. <laughs> good, good luck. Obviously, I don't have to get as close to you as you have to get to me to scratch, so who's going to win? I'm sorry, did you look at the chart? Why are you asking for bread? <laughs> Losers. If we leave some bread behind, you can lick up the crumbs. God. God, you're pathetic. You grubby little monsters. Like, we're already not getting the best bread. You know, like, the best bread goes to people longer than us, so you're trying to take the bread we do get away from us? But yeah, enjoy your crust, you pathetic scum. Yeah, we don't have to keep talking to this guy. I don't know why we even stopped to talk to him. Let's just get out of here. Yeah, you're lucky. You're lucky we even talked to you for a second. Now go back to your garbage dump of a home yeah. and eat your crust. Loser. Begging us for our bread. <laughs> why don't you pick up some crumbs off the ground like the rat you are? Oh shit, there's someone over there with longer fingernails than us. I don't want to run into them. Let's, let's get out of here. Seriously wrong. Seriously wrong. Next time on Seriously Wrong, we sit around the campfire, sing songs, roast marshmallows, and just have a good wholesome time.